Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. <laughs> Benji, why are we popping a champagne bottle at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday here? Dude, it is, as we speak, we are recording our Thank 100th you. episode of Contractor Evolution. I poured mine first. That's bad luck. So we're off to a terrible start. And spilt all over the and floor. spilt all over the floor. We're going to wipe that up. <laughs> so we ha we are doing cheers our by one, the way. Our, cheers our 100th episode any any opening remarks here before we start yeah you know it's been so much fun like i love uh the content that we've brought forward to the tens of thousands of downloads a month of people consuming this show and that's been really amazing to hear the feedback and how much people have learned and taken away but I will say for me, and I think for us, we've had so much fun yeah. uh, connecting with and learning from uh, the huge number of, of super high performing guests that we've had. And, and for me personally, I think the coolest thing has just been like learning what high performance looks like in this industry and being able to dissect what, what creates amazing leadership uh, and massive business growth fantastic lifestyles like what are these patterns these behaviors these character traits um that's been a ton of fun for me over the last two years it really has um this whole thing was your idea by the way i got on board early but i remember being like podcast like you know how are we gonna do 20 how are we gonna have 20 like, i don't know if there's that much to talk about <laughs> 20 <laughs> episodes se seemed impossible now we're at 100 i think 200 seems very reasonable and beyond uh and in fact there's way more that we want to talk about and we will um so i'm going to do a couple housekeeping items i'm going to dive into today's episode which is going to be a banger uh first off i want to thank the listeners so if you're listening to this in the car you're watching this on youtube this whole thing doesn't happen without you and we really appreciate the continued support um the the sharing the feedback it's been an honor it's been humbling and as Igor said it's been a ton of fun big shout out to Matt O'Shea our video producer in the background Matt can you yell so the condenser mic can hear us Woo! there he is uh, <laughs> he's he, Matt's coming in for a drink Matt works tirelessly behind the scenes he's our behind the scenes guy he logs as many hours as we do probably more uh, cheers, cheers. Matt. And then another, and then another big shout out to Eric, who's not here, who's done just been instrumental with a lot of the packaging and distribution uh, that this show requires. Now, for our hundredth episode, we want to do this. We are, as you just mentioned, very blessed to talk to some really, really smart people. And over the last two years and a hundred different conversations, we've basically gained what I would say is like a crash course in high performance. This yeah. is like an ad hoc on the fly business degree. That's actually way better than what you would get if you went to school. Yeah. And it's just purely from asking good questions and listening to the answers. And so through those hundred episodes, there's like very clear patterns, very clear themes, very clear commonalities around high performance, both in business and in life that, you know, you've, I, you and I've talked offline about this that are just like abundantly clear to us at this point. And another way to put this is like, these are 10 things that we are really freaking sure about having done a hundred conversations, having done a hundred podcast episodes with the amazing guests that we have. Yeah. Without a doubt, there's really clear patterns that high performers share. Right. And, and for us, uh, in, you know, sitting behind the mic here, um, and, and hearing the stories, the patterns, the character traits, the way that these high performers operate, um, it's been pretty easy, easy to isolate these 10 things we're going to talk about today, um, uh, because they are without a doubt indicators of super high performance in the contracting industry. So <clears throat> 10 things we've learned after a hundred episodes, that's probably a good title. Maybe we'll just call it that. Uh, by the way, for, if you're in the giving mood, um, 
could, if you could, if you're a supporter of the show, you've been listening for a while. One thing that would be like a huge help to us is if you fill out this survey that we're going to attach in the description, there'd be a link there. You fill out a very simple type form. Uh, we've obviously learned a lot. We were thirsty to learn a lot more. And this show is about you and what you want and what you need. So we desperately want to know what you think of the job we've done so far. But most importantly, like how can this content serve you better? So there'd be questions about the subject matter that you'd like us to explore, the questions that you'd like to like us to ask that we're not yet, all that kind of stuff. So please, if you're a fan of the show, go fill out the survey. Another thing, if you're in the giving mood, um, consider sharing this episode with a friend, a colleague, even a competitor. We have crossed in the last few months the 25,000 downloads a month threshold, which is still small in the grand scheme of podcasts, but it's a it's, it was a big goal for us and we've hit it. This time next year, we wanted to be at 50,000. So do us a kindness and share this. So, Ego, you ready to dive into the, the 10 commandments after 100 episodes? Hit it. I love it. Okay. Number one, the first thing is no one at the top of their game is a financial freewheeler. Yeah, this has been super apparent um, with, the, with the huge number of guests that we've had um, that are crushing in their business. Super common pattern. The way that, that, that I see this one is, is the following. So if you're doing big things in business, you've got a real team around you right? It's, it's not just you. It's not just you and a couple others. You're building a serious team, right? And with that comes a very real payroll. And I think that high performers really, um, they understand that and they respect it. I think that's the key word. They appreciate the magnitude of the responsibility. The, yes. Yeah. And the responsibility is the really key word, right? So they know that they have a lot of responsibility with the budgets that they're managing. And these are real people with real families, real lives, um, that uh, the consequences are too large to be financially freewheeling uh, when you've got that much responsibility sitting behind the payroll. Not to mention the other things that take up a large part of the budget, like the, the investments and endeavors and different things that the business is focused on. Um, that th These volumes of, of money and these expenditures need to be respected in that there's a lot of people relying on the moves that you're making. And, mm -hmm. and if you're not dialed in with, with your financials, like meaning regularly understanding where you're at financially, being able to trend out expenses effectively, all this kind of stuff, you're putting way too much risk in stuff that's pretty serious. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's a real respect that high performers have of that. And as a result, they don't allow themselves to get into this like freewheeling kind of scenario. It's not just about the profit that you generate or don't generate for yourself. It's about like what you owe to your team having yeah. hired them and made promises to them. Yeah, and like I said, a high performer by definition has a pretty serious, seriously sized team with uh, quite a number of people on that team making high income levels. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, the, the, at, at a certain point of payroll expenses, essentially like you don't have the space to be loose. Um, Tommy Mello said this on his episode when he, he says revenue is for vanity, profit is for sanity. I don't know if that's his direct quote or if he stole it from someone, but it's a great line. And I think that one thing that's just been so apparent is like these, you know, the, 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 the best business people we've had on are, they have systems in place for this. They've spent hours, they've spent tens of thousands of dollars building infrastructure around their financial tracking, building dashboards, creating visibility into their business. Mm -hmm. They are not blind as a bat. Our, our guest, you weren't on this episode, but we had Leroy Beebe on from Check the Level. Um, and the words he used were like, the, the best people he works with are pedantic and thorough, meaning they do sweat the details mm -hmm. every single time. Uh, they're anything but cavalier when it comes to making money. I also think the other thing that could be a part of this is like when you look at people at the top of the game, most of them have at some point been close to bankruptcy, been a few days away mm -hmm. from closing their business. They know what it feels like to be that close and it's just not a place they wanna return to. And so they've overcorrected in a very good mm -hmm. way to ensure that that doesn't happen. Yeah, that, that word, um, it was a really good, good point that you made from, um, from, from Leroy. And I feel this, like I resonate with this. So four days ago, I was in our last month's uh, monthly financial review, which is a monthly meeting that I have with our financial controller. And it was a seven hour deep dive, which I do roughly once a month. And sometimes it doesn't take quite that long, but um, I'm aware of every single dollar of revenue and every single expense going out, even at the size of organization we run. So um, that point really resonates with me. And it's not to say that like, uh, 
high performers don't make mistakes and financial mistakes, but there's not this like oops moment that you're, that happened because you've gone in blind. Right. Like absolutely things don't go to plan. And, All the time. And, and financial errors happen. Sure. But if, if you're doing it right, it's never happening because you had the blinders on and you weren't aware. Again, if you're a high performing business owner, um, you have a level of expenses, payroll and others that, that, doesn't afford you room for error. Like you have real responsibility and you have to respect it. So um, that that's a piece. One thing we haven't explicitly touched on is like having a smart financial controller, whether it's like full-time in-house or mm. a partial is like a crucial puzzle piece that you can't go without. Uh, so a couple things, like if you want to go deeper on episodes that kind of cover this topic, we did a great one with Megan likes a few weeks back. You'll find it in the feed. That one I mentioned with Leroy Beebe was awesome. Cooper and Janelle Leary of CLS talk about implementing the MVP file and what it did for their business. Uh, and then Morgan Ray just on like, on the, on like, uh, getting good support, getting good bookkeeping, getting a good accounting, getting a good team, uh, a good financial team for your business. That's a great episode to listen to on that. Commandment number two. The labor market is a challenge, but the talent you need is out there. Yeah. So super common theme. Super common theme. Here's my take on this. Is it's really quick. Like I think that endlessly complaining about the talent pool is a hallmark of people who are stuck. I am not saying that it isn't hard. I'm not saying that it isn't extremely hard and probably at times uh, frustrating to the point of tears. But I think high performers are able to separate facts from stories. And this is a very important point. So here's some facts. The pool of people you have to choose from is smaller than let's say it was 10 years ago. Relatively speaking, you will need to work harder at recruiting people than you used to. You will also, as a result, need to pay more for the talent that you want and need. These are facts. Okay. We can accept them. We know they're true. Here's a couple stories. And I hear these circulating, um, at conferences with conversations we have with members. I hear it all the time. Here's a story. Uh, no one wants to work. All millennials and Gen Zers are lazy and entitled and addicted to their phone. Uh, Joe Biden or <laughs> Justin Trudeau has ruined the workforce. I mean, these, and they're employing everybody. Right. These are stories. And as seductive and as comforting as it is to tell yourself these stories, because it kind of externalizes the blame and it makes it feel like it's not your fault and all that's true. If you, if you tell them to yourself too often, you rob yourself of the power you have to solve it. So... You know, as we've heard so many times from so many different guests on this on this show, build a culture, work on your employer brand, invest in recruitment activities, because chances are you're doing it as like a secondary or tertiary activity. It's something that you get to when you have time. It's not a focus. Fix your top of funnel candidate flow. As Asad said on that episode, you will always make a bad hire if you have no one good to choose from. So a lot of the effort needs to go to that top of funnel issue. Um, this problem is solvable. It's hard. It's very hard, uh, but it is solvable. And the last hundred conversations we've had proves this to me beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Here, here are the black and white facts, right? Look around you in your city, in your state, the highest performing companies in your industry have great people, right? They wouldn't be the top companies if they didn't have great people. So they found them. They are out there. Right. Black and white fact. Right. Newsflash. They exist. They absolutely exist. And when we look around top performing members in Breakthrough Academy, those companies are stacked with A players. Stacked. And they found them somewhere. So they are in the labor market. And again, coming back to this, this whole concept of this episode where, you know, we're talking about the commonalities and the traits of high performers. This is an attitude with high performers that they know that it's hard, but they know that they will go out and they will find them. And as a result, they know that they need to do the things you just talked about. They need to invest in their employer brand. They look at recruitment like marketing, like a high performing marketing organization where they're constantly marketing both brand and direct, meaning like ads, headhunting, all this kind of stuff, right? Right. So I was talking with one of our BTA members. Uh, we just got back from a huge event in Tulum, almost 400 people at our annual winter was summit. Uh, I was talking with Mike Van Capel. Right. Blue Water yeah. Concepts. Blue Water Concepts yeah. construction company in Squamish, British Columbia, small town, by the way. And super tough labor market. Super one of the hardest tough labor market. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Incredibly tough. And, um, and, and Mike was recruiting for a financial controller for quite some time and had, uh, there's a lot of he some headhunting going on. There was a lot of ads going out, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and he, had, he had, Mike does a really good job at promoting 
on uh, like through brand, like social media online, not just how good of a work his company does and the kind of amazing projects that they're working on. And they're actually up to some really interesting, cool stuff. But what he's really promoting is heavily is what it's like to work at the company. We've talked about this in other episodes. His Instagram grid in particular, if you go check it out on, on Instagram, is one of the best examples of how to showcase and celebrate and celebritize your people in your culture and yeah, your work sites totally. and the work you do. So um, long story short, just to keep the story tight, essentially like uh, another very experienced financial controller, I think it was from a developer rather than a construction company, but still quite related, came to him and was like, here's why this is such an amazing fit that I come here. I've been watching you and I've been watching your brand grow in town. I've been watching what your team dynamic is like. And I think this is a really amazing fit. You've been watching for years. Right. This this uh, this controller came yes. to him because to him. they'd followed socials Correct. or whatever, and was like, yeah. "I love what you're up to." Correct. Yes, yeah, so this is what this is what we're saying. Like, this is like when you look at people who put effort into this, who put effort into this, they they are not um, they are not like l losing their entire life to complaints about how sucky new generations are yeah. and how tough it all is. Like they just get out there and fix the problem. Yeah. So there's a real intentionality when it comes to employer brand and recruiting. If you, if you want to check out more info, uh, look back in the contract revolution feed to the ultimate hiring funnel series, Yes. The ultimate hiring funnel series. It was a five part series with a lot of really good content. That one with recruiting. Brett Farrington, by the way, yes. uh, it's called Solve Your People Problem with New School Hiring Tactics. Really good deep dive on an actual case study of how yeah. uh, he hired like 14 techs in two months. It's just a really, really cool story and it's very, very technical. So if you're like craving that kind of that kind of information, go check that one out. The other one was with Jody Underhill uh, of Rapid Hire. Really, really good episode. You know your Contract Revolution episode as well. I do, Dude, I've listen, I've been here for everyone. <laughs> um, okay. Let's get to the third point. Okay. Commandment number three. This is a good one. At a certain point, being intentional matters more than working hard. So let me start with a couple thoughts on this. There's a really great quote. You'd, I'd make the, this has become a mantra here at Breakthrough Academy. We say it in meetings. Our coaches like remind our, our, our members of this all the time. Uh, and it's, it's, it's uh, by an author named Marshall Goldsmith. So what got you here won't get you there. What got you here won't get you there. So the concept in the context of contracting in the businesses we work with and talk to is this. Blood, sweat, and tears alone are not going to take you to the promised land. It'll get the ball rolling for sure. And it serves a purpose. But it's not going to get you anywhere near that beautiful mental image you carry around of your future. That kind of inspiring picture that you think about when you drive or before you go to sleep. It's not going to get you there. It won't even get you in the neighborhood, which is why one of the things that all heavy hitters that we've talked to have in common will come as no surprise is this. The way that they treat their block schedules, their priority management skills, and how they approach their most finite resource, which is their time. Okay, so block scheduling, priority management, all this stuff. Episode one with Ryan Stewart, we go deep on it. This is the most fundamental skill to me that unlocks intentionality and allows you to truly focus on the things that matter. Uh, there isn't a single person at the top of the game doesn't have some system in place to get the most out of the hours in their day and the days in their week, not one. They still work very hard. I'm not saying that they're just like on cruise control now that they've found success. They're still working very, very hard, but that effort is, inten is intentionally ch uh, channeled towards high leverage activities versus other activities. So I'll end with a sort of a, a, a spicy point here. Like time, remember this guys, time is the great equalizer. Everyone is the same amount of time. Elon Musk, this might be a little mean, don't cancel me, but like Elon Musk and like the homeless person outside of the studio right now have the exact same 168 hours in a week. Absolutely. And so they use them differently. They absolutely use them differently. And this is really, you know, this is really apparent coming back to this whole concept of high performers that we've had on the show. So last week in Tulum at a big annual event, we were hanging out. Tommy Mello was there. Uh, 700 trucks. Right. That's what he ordered this year. <laughs> Sorry, that's what he ordered this year. Yeah. So Tommy Mello was there hanging out. Uh, he's on the show. If you haven't seen his episode, just check it out. Barrett was there. Cadence, um, Cadence Builds was there. He's running a fascinating construction company uh, that also acquires and develops a lot of buildings and land and literally runs the Washington-based company from Hawaii. 
uh, we were hanging out with him too. None of these people work any harder than a real low performer. I shouldn't say they, they don't work harder. They don't have any more time available to them. That's they a good absolutely way to work hard. They work hard, but they're so intentional with their time, right? These guys, they're constantly asking themselves like, is what I'm doing a high leverage activity? Right. Right. Is the activity, if I say, if I accept this into my calendar, is this an activity that's going to propel the business forward in a very significant way? Am I recruiting a high performing new individual into the company? Am I coaching and developing the skill of people that are going to multiply mm-hmm. my energy mm-hmm. and my way of being throughout the company over the next couple of years? Am I thinking through and strategizing on moves and investments and tactics that are going to move us into interesting new aspects of the market and allow us to capitalize on opportunities? They're, they're not doing things that are basic, that just, that, 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 that live just for that day or for right. that week. Right. Everything they choose to do is for a broader long-term purpose. There's leverage. I think that's the key word, right? They're, 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 they're utilizing leverage with their time constantly. But there is a constant moment-to-moment awareness of yes. that where it's like, is what I'm doing right now the right thing? Yeah, absolutely. And and the way I think, here's the proof in the pudding on this. All of us, I can, I've had these moments, Benji, I guarantee you've had every, so think about, so you're listening to this Take a moment as you're driving your truck or you're watching on YouTube. Think about the things, the decisions that you've made in the past. They can be intentional or completely by fluke. It doesn't matter for the purpose of this example, but think about the things that you've done and put a lot of energy and time into that when you look at it objectively now, hindsight, they've been quite a waste of time or a total waste of time. We all have them. It's a long list. Very long list. And then think about the things, again, intentional or by fluke, that you've done that have been a massive game changer to your success. Right. Like massive propelling moving forward. Uh, We all have them. And that's just the example of there's certain things you do that move the needle forward by a huge margin. And there's a lot of things that you can spend a lot of time on that just don't move it very far. And, And the reality is, most entrepreneurs that I see spend way too much time on things that don't move the needle forward. And the real high performers that we've had on the show and that we've had the pleasure of getting to know share that commonality that they're so intentional to only spend their time and energy on things that are going to propel the business forward massively. So my advice to you is if you don't think in this way before you commit to things, before you allow things into your calendar, you allow your energy to go into them. Think about is like, what's the multiplier of me doing this activity? My, in my experience, the uh, the sort of the grinder character, mm-hmm. that like archetypal kind of like, if you think of that yeah, type proud of, of it business, too. you think of that type of business owner, that grinder has an upper threshold, a very real ceiling of about a million dollars a year in revenue. If you do a large average job size business like construction or landscaping, you might be able to get in the neighborhood of two. By that grinding away. That is it. Yeah. That is it. You will never exceed that point. Under the the grinding methodology. And by the way, guys, Benji, I think we might be getting a bit negative here. We're not knocking hard work. Hard work is super, super important. And there's a lot to be respected about But you need to channel it. You have to channel that effort into the right things if, if you want to scale past these revenue markers that you're talking about. Ryan Stewart, episode one. That's probably why we did the very, very, very first episode of Contract Revolution on priority management. If you want more on this, go check that one out. Okay. Number four. Leaders are readers. There is a reason our book list episodes are some of the best performers. We track the data of the show very closely. We can see which ones get watched more and how long they get watched. It's pretty interesting when you look at the actual metrics available to you. Book lists episodes, as simple as they are, are like absolute hits every time. And here is why I think that is true leaders are constantly looking for information that they don't currently have. They constantly are scanning and surveying the outer world for things that they don't know. It's just a way of being, okay? Mm-hmm. No matter, see, this is a really important point. Whatever the obstacle you're facing right now, whatever insurmountable roadblock or problem that's causing you to lose sleep right now, the answer is out there. And it's been written about and it's been talked about and it is sitting on a shelf somewhere or it's sitting as an audiobook somewhere for like $30 or less. Mm-hmm. And this is why personally I have like less than zero tolerance uh, in my personal life and in my professional life for people who are insular. And insular means being uninterested in ideas or cultures outside of one's zone. It's being narrow-minded or worse, it's being convinced that you already know it all, Mm -hmm. right? So 
I think one of the things that I've noticed over the last hundred conversations is the best leaders when confronted with the roadblock are willing to say this. Hey, I don't know the answer here, but I know it's out there and I'll go find it and get and back to you. I know somebody does. So I will go out there and find it and I will get back to you. Yeah. Weak leaders, on the other hand, try to come up with solutions that they are not equipped strongly enough to solve. They implement something that is sort of half-baked and they think will work. They waste a bunch of time. Uh, in many, many instances, it actually exacerbates the problem and makes it worse. And this is why we say don't reinvent the wheel, mm -hmm. right? So all of this can be found in books. Being busy, being a bad reader, none of this is an excuse, right? Everything is available in audio format. It can be listened to while you're doing a workout, while you're driving your vehicle, Um so it's just like there's really no kind of like story you can make up here that excuses this. Uh, even if you're not reading for the sake of business reading all the time, just I don't, like literally listen to Harry Potter again for the seventh time on audiobook. I don't care. It's like build the habit around this. Just always have something on the go. I think that is an absolute hallmark of the top, top, top people we've talked to over the last two years. I think we need to have an objective look at the kind of companies that we run in our industry and take our ego out of it. Like, are we launching like lunar landings to specific pinpoints on the moon that no one's ever done before. And then landing them back <laughs> on earth in the middle of the ocean. No. That there may not be a book for. But how someone's built a $50 million construction company or a $40 million landscaping business, this has been done thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times. The playbook is there. Right. Tons of people have done it and they've been doing it for decades right? It's super well documented. If we take our egos out of it, we understand that we run relatively simple companies compared to some of the complexities that are out there in the world. We're not pioneering anything new. There's not a need, like you don't need to be trudging through the thick jungle because the reality is people have paved roads to where you want to go all around it. All you have to do is find them, right? And th th this is the point that I, that I find really exciting and really energizing for me is that I can, I've realized that when I open my eyes, I realize and understand that there's extremely high performers and heavy hitters all around me. Right. And that is a really, really cool thing because the amount of energy to um, that, that's needed to, to figure stuff out, it's the, the, there's a path of less resistance and there's a path of more resistance. And the path that is easier is to surround yourself with people that have figured stuff out, whether you personally know them, you listen to them on audio, you read their books, you're watching stuff on YouTube. Um, the answers are all around you. So. Right my advice is to take the path of least resistance. And that's again, a commonality that we really see with all of the high performers that we've had on the show. That's what they do time in time out. They take the easier path and they learn from others around them. It's a mindset. It's a habit. It's a way of being to be constantly scanning the outer world for wisdom that you do not have and then grabbing it and inserting it. It is that easy. hundred percent. Let's go to the fifth commonality. When it comes to implementation, something is always better than nothing. This is a simple point, okay? Don't overcomplicate it, right? Like if all you have the bandwidth for is creating a simple uh, QC quality control checklist for the end of a project, you know, ideally I'd make like a long SOP and build some videos around it. Ideally I do that, but if all you can do is just make a simple one pager, just do that. It's like the same with exercise. Okay, you know what? I had to work a little late. I've lost my two-hour window for a nice weight session to go to the gym. Does that mean that I shouldn't still do just like a 20-minute walk? Mm -hmm. No, it shouldn't. Like do something. It all counts. It all adds up. Don't stop yourself before you start. As uh, a friend of the show and a friend of ours, Coach Paul, always says, don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. Mm -hmm. And you're saying that, that these high performers that you've seen, that's the commonality is like when they, they, they'll make the small move when they can't make the bigger one. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. It's yeah. like, they, Hey, we didn't get the three pointer. I'll still take a layup. And then when I come back, you know, I made that one pager. This is so much easier to expand on and to create yeah. this into a more sophisticated system or something more evolved because at least I started, I'm not going from a blank canvas. So I just think there's an attitude about like people really screw themselves by, um, thinking that everything needs to be mastered and perfect and exhaustive and complete on the first one, like 70% is better than zero. Yeah. So start with that and build on it. The things that I've noticed amongst our guests on the, on this point is more of like an energy around this. Like they're real playmakers. Mm. They get up and they go make moves. And you feel that, right? When, when you spend time with them, there is like a, a forward and offensive 
right. uh, energy. It, it's going straight ahead. And sometimes it's a little bit and sometimes it's more depending on the circumstances and, and what they can and can't do. But they're, they're, I feel an energy from them. Like yeah, they totally. go, they're playmakers. They wake totally. up and they go and make a play. Totally. Whatever play they can. And I love this because it's kind of contagious. Like when you're around people that are playmakers, you're kind of like, yeah, this is the way to go do things. Right. And I have a number of friends, like both even outside of this industry that are like that, that are playmakers in all of their respective fields, whether they're surgeons, uh, philanthropists, whatever, they wake up and they go and do amazing things. And sometimes they're big and sometimes they're small, but the, every day they go out and make a play. You can't always like hit a grand slam. Just get yourself on first base. Yeah. You can't always score a touchdown. You can't. Even, sometimes you can't even get a first down in football, but four yards still gets you closer to the mark. Yeah. And I think just, you know, I always talk in sports analogies. It's a nice way to think about it. Something is always better than nothing when it comes to implementation. Point number six, rule number six. Winners do the hard thing. Mm -hmm. Losers don't. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's something we see a lot as well. Like the first thing, I mean, really clear example this comes uh, that comes to mind for me is I remember years ago, Brian Scudamore is the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, largest junk removal company in the world. Um, they're, they operate in multiple continents, like thousands and thousands of employees. Um, and he was talking to me about his, uh, when he had his first, I think it was 12 employees or something like that. And the realization that he came to one very specific day that based on the vision that he had for the type of organization he wanted to build, none, zero of his current staff were going to get him there. And he made the choice to literally get rid of every single one with a busy schedule and start from scratch. We had a, we had a guest on the show, Anthony Langdon of Acid yeah, Roofing in Seattle. Exact same story. Same he, story. Fire fire I talked to him about this literally he, two weeks he, ago. He, he was, he, yeah, he's like, uh, he, he just sort of like woke up one day. It was like, there is nobody on yeah. this roster who is going to take us where we need to go. And he just called them all in one day, exited every single person, woke up the next morning, the only person in his business... Few Standing short, there by himself. Few short, <laughs> like what the hell have I done? Few short years later, he's an eight-figure business and growing insanely quickly, yeah. like absolutely yeah. killing it. So it's two great examples. So here, here's the commonality that I've seen. The difference between high performers and low performers is that a lot of low performers do get caught up in the emotion of these things. And it's not to say that we don't all have emotions that we feel when you have to make tough decisions, right? Coming back to your point of like winners do the hard thing, losers don't. To make these hard calls, they are emotional and they're difficult they and, suck. And, and they're mentally draining. They're so hard. Right. But the commonality is I find that high performers can isolate and park and move to the side. These negative emotions, these tough emotions, these, these, these weight bearing feelings. And it's not that they're not there, but you literally, you move them to the side for whatever period of time you need to, so that you can make the decision that you need to make and then deal with the rest later. But th that compartmentalization, I think, is, is, a really common, is a really common trait. And they can objectively look at something without the emotion and call a spade a spade, right? In these examples with Anthony or with Brian Scudamore, they've been able to, emotion removed, call a spade a spade and say, these, these people that I have on my roster aren't going to take us where I need to go. I'm looking at it rationally. This is the decision. And I'm going to move forward with it compartmentalization is such a gift and it's it's kind of a cynical thing to say i don't actually i don't love this quote because it kind of said too often by people i don't really love but there's some real truth to it which is like logic doesn't care about feelings it's and harsh, but yes. <laughs> I, that's what i'm saying it's a bit harsh but like there are moments where you do like what you say park it off to the side just move it's not it over gone. here it's not gone you still feel it but in the moment there's you have a you have a job to do and that job requires you to execute a few things. Yep. And so I just need to take these feelings, which are real, put them over here. I can bring them back later and feel them and be sad and be upset and process through it. But in the moment, what needs to get done uh, needs to get done. And the other thing that I would say is the hard thing is almost always incredibly obvious. For sure. You know Absolutely. it. You know what it is. You might be listening to this right now and be like, there's a hard thing that I have to do right now. But you don't want to do it. That I know I have to do. Because it's emotionally burdening. I'm humming it's and hawing about it. Yeah. Like, well, maybe this. What about that? It's like, you know. Something that comes to mind for me on this. So we work with a great guy, super smart, incredible leader, James Dale. Um, so over a decade ago, I was working, I worked with James for a long time and I don't remember the exact circumstance. Again, it was over 10 years ago, but I remember this really, really clearly of him turning to me and it was debating what to do in this situation. He looks at me and he said a few simple words. He said, do the right thing. 
And that, that stuck with me. And I, and I still think about that every now and then. He's just said, do the right thing. Rule number seven, being tech adverse is going to kill you. Yeah, this is a really interesting one considering how prevalent it is in not just our industry, but so many others. I mean, think about it as something as rudimentary to our modern way of life is mining or farming. Think about not that long ago, let's say in 1950, mm -hmm. the amount of resources and human energy mm -hmm. that needed to go into you know, managing a farm of a set size as mm -hmm. compared to what it does now, or a mine of a certain output. Think about the amount of farmers that are needed in the fields as compared to now modern combines that literally run without people, completely satellite guided. The amount, the increases in productivity in all industries, and they absolutely include ours, are massive because of technology. And uh, Benji, I think you, you put it well, you said it has a very deflationary effect in that it makes things cheaper because you need less human capital to do a, to create a certain output. And our industry is massively moving in that way. Um, I, we had, I had, you weren't on for this one, but I had, um, Brad Baker and Devin Crowell of artisan roofing on the other day and they are their roofing company. Really, really tough market. Economically speaking in Moncton, New Brunswick, 116,000 people average income of like 38,000 bucks a wow. year. They put, they cram 16 million, $6.6 million in sales through one salesperson using very, very clever and well-implemented technology that creates lever, leverage that creates scale. So there's like, that's a great episode, by the way, go check it out if you haven't. There's so many examples of this in our little world right now. Um, why are you climbing up on a ladder to get on a roof, risking, you know, personal safety and harm to manually measure stuff? By the way, not even talking about the drive time it took to get there when you could buy an Eagle View report for whatever the going rate is, 50 bucks a pop. Right. Uh, you know, if you're in construction, why would you use whiteboards and spreadsheets and posts and sticky notes when you could have builder trend as your central hub to schedule stuff, to communicate with trades, use it as a CRM, other project management tools? Uh, why would you use long lists on paper when you can use Asana or something like Trello, even simpler. Why would you write quotes by hand when there's sumo quote, you can create beautiful client facing proposals in moments. Uh, why would you get lost in a really long WhatsApp thread with your crew when you could use company cam for visual first job site communication? Here's my point. Like the tools are out there. This is the way it going. This is the way it's going. I love the feeling of pen and paper in my hand. So when I journal in the morning, I do it that way. But for the rest of the business world where it's like, this is a competitive environment where results mm -hmm. matter, if you are sort of like dragging your heels about this, you are going to be left in the dust. Yeah, and I think that right there is the overarching point on this, right? Like the market is moving ahead when, with massive efficiency. And whether the, you and like and that the, or not. Whether you like it or not. And there are economic gain, gains that come from that. So if you're not gonna play in that, in that technology leverage see you later world. see you later you're going to you're going to you're literally going to be drowned drowned out by other high performers so it's a thing that's not optional and what i'll say just in closing on this point is that it's not just about you having that edit attitude you have to have it instilled across your team and that old school way of operating be like wow my roofers just aren't gonna operate that way they're just not like that um it might work this year i guarantee you five years from now it's not gonna fly rule number eight Culture eats strategy for breakfast. This is an old uh, Peter Drucker quote. Um, and it's one I love and I heard years ago and was just like, that makes sense to me. So, okay, strategy is super important. We talk about it all the time. We have a number of great episodes mm -hmm. on this exact subject matter if you want to learn more. Um, but r rarely, if ever, no, I'm going to, no, never does it go the way you drew it up in December? There are wow. always things that go awry. There's always an initiative that goes pear-shaped at the 40% mark. There's always people that leave your business and some goal that you had becomes unavailable. So that is just the reality of business. And culture is your backstop. Mm -hmm. Culture is your life jacket, is your safety net when things don't go the way you thought they would, which is what always happens. And I would, and I put it this way, like dynamic businesses are making decisions and solving problems in a ground up fashion a lot of the time. Yeah. Like the best stuff 
comes from the team. Totally. You have some good stuff too, but like the really, really nitty gritty yeah. granular stuff comes from the team and a really, really healthy culture that is thriving and alive and aligned on core values and and has each other's back. That is the backstop that 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 gets you to the finish line, even when stuff goes doesn't go the way you planned. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm biased, obviously, but I, I think we have a pretty amazing team uh, here at Breakthrough Academy that produces Contract Revolution. And, and I mean, I see this firsthand all the time that the amount of challenges and issues that aren't in the original strategic plan that inevitably come up throughout the year, they get figured out by the team, i.e. without me, are huge. Right. And that doesn't happen if you don't have a culture of high performers having the latitude and the responsibility and the ability to figure stuff out. Right. And, and that that's really, I think, the core concept is like if you are a high level strategist, you will still never compete with the batting average of five of your extremely intelligent people coming together regularly right. and making smart calls. And if you as a leader are going to constantly overturn them or not allow that kind of culture to develop, which go, go hand in hand, um, you're not going to be able to figure out issues as they come up because you're only one of you uh, and that will never compete with a number of smart people putting their heads together on your team. And that is good, smart culture. The, so, okay, building a culture, this is like such a rabbit hole. We could probably do like a 10 part series on that one topic. Uh, we don't have time. We got to keep moving. If you want to go deeper on culture development specifically, I'm going to just give you a couple episodes. Episode two with Nestor Tarango of SolarWorks. Episode 52 with Luke Hansen, founder and CEO of Company Cam. Episode 85 with Alex Breckman. Uh, and episode 93 with Ken Keyes, all phenomenal talks and conversations about core values, developing team buy-in, implementing a strategy. Um, that's a great way to to get some headway on on culture, eat strategy for breakfast. Man, I'm just so blown away by how well you know our episode deck. It's just amazing. <laughs> Little, uh, yeah, d despite the champagne buzz, like it's all, it's all, it's all right there. <laughs> so far, so awesome. good. Awesome. Let's go to the ninth trait in commonality of our top performers. Okay. <clears throat> Rule number nine. Good advice is worth paying for mm -hmm. yeah so i think that the the high performers that we've seen on this show they realize that they are doing great things mm -hmm. like they're not blind to that fact and they know that when they're playing a bigger game that the cost of errors becomes bigger and bigger and mm -hmm. bigger so like i'm mistakes talking are like expensive the mistakes are expensive so you know talking about like good advice um when you think of like legal infrastructural elements, like corporate structure stuff, um, mistakes can be really costly long-term. When you think about like contractuals setup of different things, whether it's your customer, subcontractors, employment agreements, whatever, um, really important. Tax strategy, the amount to gain and the amount to lose is huge. Um, tax reporting and rhythms, banking, business advising and guidance, um, the amount that you have to lose is huge if you don't set this up. And the reality is just because you pay for advice doesn't mean that it's good advice. Um, when I think about like the amount of time that I spent vetting and selecting and getting to the tax advisor and strategist that we use right now, I mean, I spent quite a number of hours and, and diving through my network massively and doing a ton of vetting just to get to that, to that person, like say six, seven years ago, and this paid off in dividends. Right. And, and they realize this, right? Like the amount of you have to lose is heavy when you're running a series, when you're, when you're playing a real game and the amount that you have to gain is huge. You need to dodge the icebergs, mm -hmm. right? Like the Charlie Munger, um, has a really, really, really great quote on this and basically just says avoiding stupidity is easier than seeking brilliance. Right. And so what that means is like over the long haul, it's not about being a genius and getting it absolutely right every time over the long haul. When you look at the trajectories and the end results of high performers versus everyone else, the one thing that the high performers did better is they avoid the really bad mistakes mm -hmm. and the really big setbacks. Mm -hmm. They still probably had a couple, but if you look at a 20 year, 30 year, 40 year trajectory of a stock portfolio, an entrepreneur's journey or a business entity, you're going to notice the, um, the their ability to dodge those icebergs was much, much better. And this is what we're saying where it's like good advice helps you just go, hey, change your coordinates this way slightly yeah. because here's something that 
you don't know about, but I do. And I've seen this, you know, shipwreck X many businesses, whatever. So I think that that's just like a nice little mantra. Avoiding stupidity is easier than seeking brilliance. The other thing I'm going to say on this, bad advice floats around there too. Yeah. And, and by the way, sometimes you pay for it. So if you're looking for consulting, if you're looking for coaching, you're looking for advising, you're looking for legal advice, you're looking for a good bank, like whatever, um, do your due diligence, vet them thoroughly, and always, always look for references. Ideally, you're looking for someone within your network. We asked Tommy Mello about this. This is one of the five things that he said was like the biggest game changer for him. Mm -hmm. It's like just Mm -hmm. getting good advice. And his big thing was like, yeah, no, I'm like I'm like looking at the resume. I, I would never hire anyone without knowing, talking to like two or three people who've worked with them also and getting some real like boots on the ground feedback yeah. about it. Yeah, and I'll just give you a really clear example. This show that you're watching right now, uh, we haven't been at this for a super long time. Uh, it's like two years or so. Um, and we've eclipsed some pretty big milestones, including, you know, 25,000 plus downloads a month. Could be bigger. And it could be bigger and it will be bigger. <laughs> but still, this, this, th- there is a pretty big milestone. And guess what? We didn't figure out how to bring all this great content we to you alone. We didn't figure any of this out. Before <laughs> even starting the show, 100%. we had a coach and an advisor who's a specialist specifically in the business of podcasting. Right. And he's the best in the world at it. And he's guided us every two weeks from before we launched the show to the way that we set up programming to the way that these cameras are set up to the way that we do post-production to the way that marketing is done. Totally. This is literally driven by him and his strategy. If we didn't have him, where would we be? There's no uh, way that we would be at, at this level. You would be blindfolded in a dark room surrounded by hot elements and sharp objects. Exactly. That literally is, that's exactly. That and here life. we have a guide guiding us He's around like, them. Let so, me turn the light on. <laughs> yeah. This is how you do this. Totally. So shout out to Charlie Vaylor and Vaylor Media, by the way. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to go see him in a few weeks in Melbourne, Australia. So um, anyway, um, good advice is absolutely worth paying for. All of our high performing guests know that and we absolutely know it as well. So Benji, last but not least of the massive number of high-performing guests that we've had on Contractor Evolution, what is the 10th commonality that you've consistently noticed? We're ending on a great note. So the 10th of 10 commandments is this. The future is bright. (laughs) It is. And and unfortunately, like we live in a pretty challenging world, uh, especially right now. It's a bit bleak. In the last couple of years, it has been a big uh, bit bleak. If you're sitting on uh, CNN or CBC and spend too much time reading the newspaper, um, you'd understand very quickly. Uh, there's a lot of negativity in the world right so now. So much. Yeah. And, um, and it's very easy to get sucked into it. Uh, the, there's a huge market in red, uh, everywhere, but the reality is like, despite the, 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 the number of what I would, if I'm honest, dumb people making dumb decisions and, and the way where the way, the way that a lot of things in the world are going, there's a commonality among high performers is that they choose to create their own atmosphere. They choose to create their own reality. They choose to create their own perspective of a glass half full and positivity into, into the future. Do you, do you want to unpack that, that sentence, create their own atmosphere? What does that mean? Yeah. So there's like, you have really every day of a choice, which is to perceive the world around you and inputs that come in to you from all around you, whether it's as simple as like you wake up and it's gray and cold and raining to the media is pointing negativity at you. Your office manager is coming at you and talking to you about the challenges that you have. Uh, Someone just quit uh, you, you, you have things coming from the external world into you and your mind and your psyche all the time that are negative, whether you, you realize it or not. And there's a difference between high performers and low performers where high performers are able to isolate that and are able to create a pause between those inputs coming in and their response and create their own feelings, mm. their own environment, mm. their own headspace, and respond to these stimuli, the, this type of stimulus in a way of their choosing based on the way that they want to frame their world and their reality. That um, is a common trait. That's so well said. I, the other way that I would put this is I have yet to meet someone who is at the top of their game who wastes hours of their day talking about how shite the world is. 100%. Dude, bro, I don't know, man. It's really scary. World Economic Forum and global warming and our governments and blah, 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 and Bitcoin's tanking and blah. Like, do you have any idea how much bandwidth and creative juice you can waste on how sucky everything is? Mm -hmm. 
And by the way, if you want to learn something about how the media system works, go read a book called Trust Me, I'm Lying. It will show you exactly how the entire incentive structure for the blogosphere, for news channels, everything works. Everything is designed to scare you. That 100%. is what they are built to do. It is in their nature. And so, yeah, my point is, like, like, like I just said, like the best people create their own environment. Mm -hmm. they, they find a way to not get slurped into that, which requires discipline and it's hard. And I find myself on bad months. Mm -hmm. Look at the last two years, man. Even us, we're like, okay, okay, that's enough of like the scary stuff. Let's get, let's get refocused on what actually matters. I just think that there's some real truth to this. If you have to put blinders on, do that. If that means going off news, going off socials, whatever, do that for yourself. Practice mental hygiene, right? Like the, it, it is an art and a discipline to doing that, to installing those rules, putting those blinders on for yourself. And here's the last thing I'll say about this. Whether the future is bright or not, I have no idea. Neither Nobody do does. Nobody does. It could be terrible. But does, does believing that serve you in the short term or the long run? The answer Absolutely is not. no. No. So this is about a belief system that creates utility and value for you more than it is an actual portrayal of the planet we live on. It's about what works for you and your family and your business. Something that comes to mind for me, I remember very vividly a conversation. It was probably four years ago. I was at a painting industry event in Georgia. Um, and I remember I was sitting and having a couple of drinks one evening with, uh, with a guy that runs the biggest painting company uh, in Canada here in the country. And, and I remember him saying like he was, and he's kind of like probably in his mid forties, maybe fifties, been doing this for quite a while. And man, the guy still motors and his, just his optimism and his energy, like, like you feel it from like even an hour of sitting down with him. And, and I remember him saying, he's like, dude, you're, you're either racing, you're on the track or you got to get off the freaking track. Right. Pick one. Right. Right. And, and yeah, like you can, people do surround themselves with a lot of negativity and why things are so challenging and so difficult. But I mean, if you really believe that, yeah, then you sell your business, you go to cash, you stick it under your bed, you buy a ton of guns and then wall up the windows. And my question is, where does that get you? Right. right. right? So either do that right. or go play the game at full throttle, pick one. Right. And, and to your point, no one knows where the future is headed. Uh, economically, socially, all, all these, these different challenges that we have in the world. But at the end of the day, the commonality of high performers is they see the world in a way of optimism, of positivity and of abundance, and they go make their plays with a huge amount of energy. Rule number 10, the future is bright. Uh, that concludes our 100th episode. I want to thank our listeners and our loyal following. Uh, I want to thank our guests and we've had many, many, many of them on who have shared their, their time and their wisdom and their secrets for free. Um, it's been an honor having you and hosting you. If you've not gone and filled out the survey, just providing us some feedback yet, please go do this. And if you, and if you would be so kind, share this with a friend who you think needs to hear it. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. Thanks so much for watching this episode of Contractor Evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.